2: From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Awards Circuit Podcast.
3: And obviously I'd look at the monitors and see myself in Taritha and it was really like powerful to see. And then it was only when the show came out and we started doing press and then started receiving messages from fans or um, Indian girls stopping me just expressing themselves. I kind of started realizing how groundbreaking this really is.
2: Simone Ashley marvels at what it meant to see so much representation in season two of Bridgerton. Now we get ready for a highly anticipated season three, centered on Nicola Coughlin's character. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the Variety Award Circuit podcast, we talked to Nicola Coughlin, Simone Ashley, and Sharitha Chandran about this past season of Bridgerton, and even more importantly, what comes next. But first, our award Circuit Roundtable is back and discussing directing categories and also offering up our pleas to TV Academy members as nomination voting gets underway. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. It is the Roundtable and it is the first day of Emmy voting. Hi, everyone. It's Michael Schneider, along with Emily Longoretta, Clayton Davis and Jazz Tanke, And the moment has arrived. Finally here. So get excited, everyone. I
4: never I never thought this day would come.
5: <laughs> it did not come fast enough. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> Listen, again, we're going to do this every week. Emily Longaretta, EE issues all day long. Just all day. Just then, killed it, man. And then now we, we get to anoint Michael this week. But now,
4: yeah, I was going to say. Ray
5: Michael.
2: Seahorn. Her time has arrived. I will not hear otherwise. Listen, this is, this is part of my plan to get Racy Horn to thank me on the stage at the Emmys. <laughs> so let's yeah. let's see if that happens.
5: I'm, ge- <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting Anna Gunn vibes right now.
2: I feel like it's her mm-hmm. moment. It's coming. I do. I mean, she at least nomination. At at minimum, minimum yeah minimum,
4: yeah we're we are starting a riot if she doesn't get nominated oh, we're
2: burning this place. <laughs> the
4: four <man>. of us
2: <laughs> i am four i'm prepared us. to write a column where i just take down the <laughs> tv academy <management. laughs> like a field of
5: eight at that like you know we've we've we, i think we were like yeah six like sure whatever but a field of eight would be yeah then i would be convinced she killed someone and they know about it <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> right and there has so to be something know. going on there yeah yeah, she has um, we're
6: candidate. gonna <laughs> we'll poll every single Television Academy member. Be like, why did you not vote for her?
4: Yeah, I need to know ex- every member's reason.
2: Yeah, yeah. Say, not only is she a fantastic actor, she does probably the more work than anyone else in this industry. I mean, just talking to her, the amount of effort that she puts into it, the workshopping that they all do, uh, just you know, the tremendous portrayal of Kim Wexler in that show. If that's not enough. She helped save Bob Odenkirk's life. So yeah. true. Uh, yep. Come, on a, come a, on.
6: a living hero. Yes. Like, that I, deserves I, an award on its own.
5: Also, really. fun fact, I think, think at least for drama series, for sure. I think if she's nominated for director, she would be the first woman nominated for directing and acting for the same show. Same year. How great would that be? Yeah. It's happened in limited series a bunch of times. Obviously, Michaela Cole did it last year. But in drama, I don't think it's ever happened, yeah. especially especially in a supporting of a supporting actor that like is doing. Because Giancarlo Esposito could do it too. Little all these people directing stuff. Just give it
2: to all the Better Call Saul directors. Just yeah. Yeah.
6: There
5: you go. I feel good for Better Call Saul this year. You know, I was actually talking to a friend about it, and you know, the the last time it was up for Emmys and got like. That little, that shaft, it, it, 2020 was rough for it. Cause that's when it was just Carlos Esposito. That was the year that Jonathan Banks was supposed to win. He didn't even get nominated. And then yeah. we thought we were working towards Bob winning and he didn't get nominated and the show missed completely. So but I, I feel like it, in a very weird way, I think Bob's heart attack really brought focus back. <laughs> we're like, guys, we are, un- we
2: are not valuing what's here right now. Right. We must love it accordingly yeah no i i agree i agree but um yeah so back to the emmy issues though emily is putting the finishing touches on the final emmy extra edition of phase one which again have been beats, beats incredible of
4: i feel so good honestly y'all that listening can't hear can't see me but it's very tired and I look very tired, but you know what? It's all worth it.
6: You still look so amazing. So <laughs> you deserve an award because the way you did that was such like serenity
5: and calmness. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I heard you curse enough. Which is, which is very surprising, but also, no, I mean, you
4: know, my, my apartment complex probably has hurt a little bit. That's I've fine. been, you know, out on my balcony doing some deep breathing, which has helped.
5: Can we address Murray Bartlett on the cover, by the way, though?
4: Oh, we can. Um, I will say that was Ethan's first story, story cover or cover story. Wow. That's how tired I am. Yeah, um, yeah. And he did a great job. He really killed it. The cover, the photos were beautiful. And the interview was very, very good.
5: Mary Bartlett is perfection. Like, yeah, just perfection. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. like <sighs> I, I I don't even think we airbrushed it. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, he just looks <laughs> like that.
4: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was, I was in the studio when we shot it and I was like, oh, every single photo
5: looked good when
4: they were coming through the system. I was like, oh, he can't think of that photo. So that's great.
2: I kind of hate him now a little bit, but uh, (laughs) it's been a a great group. I mean, Quinta Brunson and, you know, the list goes on, um, starting with Jason Bateman and then going down the list of all of our great cover people. And Uh,
4: our last one, we won't give it away here, but Mike wrote the last, the last cover story for the final phase yeah. one. AE, so two covers one. in a
5: row. Look at Mike <laughs> just
2: writing. What are you a journalist? <laughs> what is this? When we're not paneling, we're writing stories. Oh god! <laughs> uh, we had our night in the writer's room, uh, event, uh, last week. And that was a huge mm-hmm. success. Uh, Emily killed it with her drama panel. Uh, we had, you killed gun- it with comedy. Comedy was fun. Uh, That was 12 people or 11 or 12. I could lost count. That was a big panel. Uh, So many people that I couldn't even see all of them as I was sitting there. Like they put Tracy (laughs) Oliver way behind me and I'm like straining to try to see her and and ask her questions. It was, that was tough. But, uh, and then young Joe Watterson, uh, uh, doing, uh, the, the great work with, uh, limited as well. So, uh, that was a, a great evening for variety. Um, but enough. Yeah. And us.
4: speaking, well, well, <laughs> well, one more thing was about yeah. us, okay. um, actually about our amazing, uh, photo team, Dan Dobrolski, yeah. who has shot all of our EE covers. Mm. He's also, he mm. also shot the, uh, he also shot the gorgeous photos for night in the writer's room, which are in your Rhea Seahorn issue and they yeah. look beautiful. Yeah. So,
5: yeah, he, he, he also did my headshot. So he's a very talented man. He yeah. knows how to catch like, <laughs> some angles. I, I, yeah, I, likewise. He's, he's very, very, very good man. Yeah. Um. So I, I do want to, uh, I think a good place to start today and looking at this preview. And by the way, time of recording, we don't know what's on the ballot. Today. We haven't done the counts because or we would have opened with that. So we don't know that yet. However, I want to talk about the, the director and writer issues were out this week. Um, and I want to ask you guys, do you think Succession is going to pull another DGA and get five <laughs> directors nominated or do you think they're really going to spread the wealth? Because I was actually mistaken because Emmy rules are not super clear. A director can only submit twice in a category for like two specific episodes, but more than two episodes from a show can get nominated. The Emmy rules are a little like weird, weirdly unclear on that. That's why, so Succession can happen like DGA and get five spots, depending on how many submissions there are. And I think actually there'll be six. So in theory, they could
2: get six if they submitted six. (laughs) Mm. I mean, that's always a possibility. It does feel like DGA was closer to when Succession aired. So it was a little fresher on the mind perhaps than now. But i don't know anything's possible i suppose I that'd come, it that would really, that'd be
6: true at most that's where i'm gonna go i don't think five i think yeah. maybe yeah. two obviously the finale i think i just I think the, the whole kit five is like should not be allowed in my opinion <laughs>
2: yeah it, i mean it, it,
5: it would it, it would be it would be sad for like a squid game and yellow jackets that have have really good episodes that they submitted for those guys and Saul and and Saul and this and and actually and uh, my heart's in a break actually i uh, it's it's a bubble Saul so like it like there are a lot of great episodes of tv like stranger things sean levy did the dear billy episode Mm -hmm. like that's gonna be sad and ben stiller the finale of severance is the best minutes of television this year.
2: But can we last expand this five to minutes? 10 too? Can, let's just expand every category to 10. Wait, what was that? Expand to 10. <laughs> expand <laughs> to 10. How many times are we going to have to write that until it happens? Actually, it's it'll probably be out
5: by the time uh, everyone's listening to this. I spoke with the head of the TV Academy and uh, said, My best friend, Michael Schneider, says you guys <laughs> need to go to 10 <laughs> <laughs> nominees. And they didn't say yay nor yay or nay in that but i think there are i think there has to be a work towards expansion they did say they have a record number of submissions this year they also say that every year so we don't know what that means is very vague but yeah we, like there isn't enough spots or in reality succession five episodes of of a
2: show would be excessive yeah maybe, yeah maybe i mean it's yeah. It's, it's, it's always tough to sort of like put your foot down though, because it's five different directors and they all deserve their own time in the the sun. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it should be a show nomination and just like every director, uh, you know, is, is a part of that nomination.
5: Why does Mike have the? Like, we can fix this in seconds. Just listen to Mike.
6: Mike you. you are going to produce the Emmys in twenty twenty. Yes. That's <laughs> it.
2: God, one one director. I mean, one line. changing one, Things. Yeah, every yeah. director one gets nomination. Every director, and that way, yeah. like they're all like equal. There's no favorite yeah. son, like, and and that way, there's also no hard feelings on yeah. on those shows when you know, clearly the, usually it's going to be the finale or the first episode, whoever's yeah. directing that gets a leg up. And and so yeah. someone who directs an amazing episode four, it just isn't going to get that same kind of attention.
5: <laughs> uh, excuse
2: me, Unless Sean, let Dave me get rid episode four. Yeah. Thank you very much. And Ray Seahorn did episode four of Saul. So maybe it should only be episode fours. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So what else uh, um, should we be looking at, uh, Clayton? Oh, so
5: on the comedy side, uh, Bill Hader, uh, his episode, of Barry, uh, seven, uh, seven one zero. And that episode, uh, it's the one where, uh, Fuchs gets poisoned. Uh, that's his submission for comedy. I I do want to, something that's come up a lot that I've heard over the last week, Barry's not a comedy anymore, right? Like, are we firmly on that? Like, it's not. It's like, it's the darkest <laughs> comedy ever of all time. <laughs> I don't think I've chuckled in quite a while. <laughs> like I think we're just in drama territory. But yeah. it's fine, I guess. Whatever. I, I mean, can't
4: imagine. I can't imagine Only Murders not taking that for the boy from 6B.
5: I think Only Murders. Well, I think it's gonna win directing it. I think Only Murders is, is a real shot a taking comedy series this year yeah i don't know how you i mean it could obviously hacks did that same exact thing and one directing and, and writing as well last year and didn't win in the end and i feel like maybe it needs an acting win to measure up to taking comedy but i think i really think that uh only murders in season two is about to drop in the middle of vote and uh, middle of nomination voting and all that so you know i think it's going to I think it's gonna be a really good uh, uh get. But I think Hacks is also very competitive there. And I think Chris Miller, because he's directed every episode of the after party, I'm happy for him to make the make the the play there. Uh and that's the comedy directing side. And then yes, yeah, yeah, so, you guys hear me? Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm so coming back. Sorry. We're all, I was unstable. It we're was like, all <laughs> off stable. We're all just taking <laughs> it in. We're all taking it I, in. I, I I hate I hate internet. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> I, no, and then, and then a Mike White versus Danny Strong in limited, right? Dope sick versus White Lotus directors, yeah, mm. yeah. It's,
4: that's so tough because Mike White did wrote, like he did every single episode, right? So yeah,
5: it's, yeah, he gets the entire series. Danny Strong submitted uh, the finale, People versus Purdue Pharma, of
6: course.
5: Yeah,
2: yeah. No, that's another tight race. Can
6: I just talk about your bucket list moment that happened at the weekend? The real world.
2: Oh, my, my
5: bucket list. Yeah. Uh, Your Michael, bucket oh, list
6: my. moment. I'm sorry. I oh, saw that really? and I was yeah. just like, I felt so happy for you. Sorry. Uh, I was happy
5: for Emily because uh, for both of us, Emily, uh, Emily Longaretta and Clayton Davis are imploring the, uh, the Emmys to vote for re- the real world homecoming New Orleans. For several reasons. It was the birth of reality television. It's never been nominated. Uh, The New Orleans Homecoming is by far the best one so far. And I got to meet them this weekend. And it was the nerdiest thing that's ever happened to me in real life. I've never fanboyed as much as I did. Looking at Melissa and just being like, I love you. I think you're the best. (laughs) And to know, by the way, I took pictures with Kelly, Danny, uh, Melissa and Tokyo. Julie was sitting at a separate table of course she was and i did not and i did not say hi to her because i was like <laughs> i can't betray melissa Melissa's <laughs> well, my home I would, bow
4: down, I would bow down to julie for being reality tv gold
5: okay she was sitting at a separate table and not with them so it's very telling of the season how great it is mm-hmm. so no I mean, no think, no jamie no matt so it's fine of course
4: I think it's, I think it's very telling that it's, and I I saw your story that went up too, that like, it just, that show really did make an impact this year. So I really hope that it does actually get some sort of, some sort of love. I mean, a nomination is not crazy in my
5: mind at all. No, and it it shouldn't be. I mean, listen, Kardashians have never gotten nominated either. Just have to put that out there. And they were on TV for a very long time. (laughs) I I think that they could make a, a play into that, into that category this year, but it's also very reality is just competitive period. And how much longer can the RuPaul train just continue to plow through eventually, you know, it does right now. We talked last week about Curb Your Enthusiasm nominated every single time uh, that it's up and eventually
2: they look elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not yet, but you know, it's RuPaul's Drag Race is what now won four times. Yeah, forward, oh, and so yeah. in
5: competition series, the Untucked is what's going against real world and unstructured. Yeah, and now
2: Untucked is the incumbent and in unstructured. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, reality's tough because these shows never go away. So yeah. a lot of them just keep going forever. And so there's never any room for, for new blood. Every once in a while, new shows sneak in, but it's very rare and it takes years sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. takes race years to get in there.
5: And if it's not untucked, by the way, I'm pretty sure they'll go Selling Sunset. I feel like that's like waiting to have its moment. See, that's a backyard contender, right? Here's
4: my thing. If Selling Sunset gets over like Homecoming, I'll be very upset. (laughs) Not that I haven't watched every episode of Selling Sunset. Let me just say that. preface with that. But, like, come on. To me, that's such a different world.
5: I mean, listen, 90 Day Fiance saved us during the pandemic, so, like, that's also there for some. And
4: I will, I will preview. We have a great story coming in the E about 90 Day Fiance and the impact overall and how successful it is and that the ratings, I mean, just the rating success has never been, you know, valued the way that some others are. So yeah. the reality is just as com- competitive as scripted these days. So maybe the challenge will make it in. I mean, you guys—you guys all know that I will like that. I will bring that to my grave. Between that and like Law and Order, I'll just—that's my dream Emmys. Um, Dick Wolf presenting an award to TJ Lavin, but I mean, you know, I'll take what I can get at this point.
5: I wrote a story for Emily this week, and I swear to God, I put a line in there. It was just for Emily, and it was that drama series. There are the, the entire field. There's only two former winners. For drama series in the running and that was succession and law and order <laughs> and law i
4: appreciate order. that i appreciate that claim i, I, I just
5: want it. i wanted you to read it and go he know he knows yeah. um, <laughs> he loves me he loves me um yes yeah, so, uh, what i guess this is uh, i i always like to leave this kind of here our personal pleas like the our, our like voting's open we know twenty five thousand academy members are listening to this right now when it went as this episode is dropping, because they have to know what we think. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get Variety Sketch cleared out one day soon. And in terms of like cleaned up the way it should be. Yeah. I, I'll pers- say it
2: again. I think we should submit this for Variety Sketch, just the, the, our, our roundtable. I funny. mean, we would get a nomination because there's only.
5: We are characters. Yeah. These are not yeah. real people. There's no way <laughs> this is real. But uh, what what are your what are your shows that you're like? Please
2: jot this down. Yeah, shows or people. So shows or people. Are people. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Emily, do you want to start?
4: Um. Yeah, I will start. It's not going to be a surprise to you guys, and it's a very tough race. And I know this how this may not happen, but show that not enough people have seen the person that the Emmys have never recognized, Joshua Jackson and Dr. Death. That is my. He had a great performance on Peacock. I know a lot of people aren't watching Peacock, but if you have the time, check it out. A great but, performance
5: By the way, I'm calling bullshit on that. There's no way that was Emily's answer. Her answer was Sam Waterston, and I will not hear otherwise. <laughs> she lied straight to straight to all of us. Right, <laughs> that is not her answer. I mean, sure, that's one of her answers, but her answer really is Sam Waterston.
4: You guys know my love for yeah. Doctor Death. You guys yeah. know I'm I very, very much. Love yeah, that. I got.
2: I I am impressed by the way that Doctor Death like managed to re-enter the conversation since that show was yeah. on so long ago, and the yeah. fact that we we are talking about Doctor Death is. It's a strong testament to their kids. I
4: mean, we had Patrick McManus at our Night on the Raiders yeah. room, the I mean, showrunner. I mean, yeah. he's
2: not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's got two shows. He's, he's doing mm-hmm. fine for himself right now.
6: I mean, yeah. remember I how upset she was when she didn't get the Dr. Death vinyl and like the bag <laughs> thing? <And> I was <laughs> she got it.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I mean, I was- anyone should have gotten that. It should have been you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's my play. <laughs> All right, Jazz, what's
0: hilarious? Your play?
6: Oh my gosh, so many, so many. Um, girls five Ever. Uh, I love yes. Girls Five Ever yeah. and I think that just needs a lot of love. So there. I think that's also for Clayton too, right?
5: The, yeah. I, I didn't enjoy this season as much as last season, but I'm still a girls five ever lover. Always. Yeah. Uh mine are both in the same category. I'm gonna say them both because they both need to be we saw we said Ray Seahorn. You wanna put her at number one, that's fine, but two, three. Whatever order you feel like doing, Christina Ricci in Yellow Jackets, don't you dare, yeah. don't you dare, omit her, and Sadie Sink change her things. Like she had the episode of the series. Oh, That's acting yeah, moments of the entire series. She deserves 100%. a
2: spot. I don't want her to have it.
4: My humble brag is that I interviewed both of those people this week.
2: Look at you. <laughs> so they should be thinking Emily Longoretta on the That's stage. Right. <laughs> FYI, but but I but, but I also
5: do want to say Ben Schwartz, please I, uh, podcast episode last week. He, he was he was great, and his episode of the after party
2: is still gold. Yeah, honestly, for song, two shots needs to needs to happen. I Na- mean, name a better song this year. Name there wasn't. You can't. I mean, there, there yeah. was not. Yeah. And no. it's it's also good life lessons. You only get one shot twice. So true. yeah, so so yeah, so definitely yeah. All the after party. I mean, it's it's hard to pick just one, right? Because you start to think about others, like after party, like Ben Schwartz and and Sam Richardson and uh, Zoe Chow in that show, and Tiffany Haddish, and, and just everyone there. Um, you know, a, a small show that you know I, I really adored was Somebody Somewhere with uh, Bridget Everett, uh, which mm. is too small a show to really I think get recognized. But you know, it's it's just one of those great shows that, uh, you know, you really enjoy if you watch it. Um, I, you've heard, I, say I, by the order. way, I, I, I
5: get, I get very, um, Pamela Adlon, better things, vibes of like that could pop. Maybe not now, but it will have a moment.
2: So yeah, down the line. yeah it could like in future seasons. Uh, yeah, it has like a pocket, that pocket of support. I think the show that like moved me more than anything else this year was station 11. And yeah, really? I think about that show Ooh. a lot. So, you know, that's, that's you know, kind of a show that people don't talk about that much, but it kind of, it moved me. So, you know, again, these are, these are the ones that are kind of our left field things to, to think about. But of course, my A1 mission is <laughs> Horn. So that's the, our campaign for
5: Racey Horn continues. By the way, writer uh, Patrick Somerville submitted the uh, episode Unbroken Circle from Station Eleven. And I think that's a. Uh, uh, fringe, like could definitely get in. Yeah. Because Station 11 has is also a similar pocket of support that could break through. Depends on how many nominees we get in that category because yeah. that's that's always, that usually yields five.
2: Well, next week we'll have uh, the ballots. We'll have uh, the, the number of uh, nominees and categories. So we'll have a lot more to dissect then. So, all right, everyone, get your pencils Here's out. to
4: hoping that they come out with 10 for each one. <laughs>
2: yes. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. After the break, Bridgerton stars Nicola Coughlin, Simone Ashley, and Sharitha Chandran. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Season two of Bridgerton was the streamer's number two English-language TV season ever, based on first 28 days of availability, just behind Stranger Things season four. In this edition, Simone Ashley plays Kate Sharma, whose tempestuous romance with Anthony Bridgerton, played by Jonathan Bailey, is particularly beloved by book readers.
7: I can hear you.
3: Pardon me, my lord.
7: I never got your name.
3: I was wondering if we'd meet again. So you might discern if my wit is acceptable. My manners genteel.
7: You were eavesdropping?
3: It was hardly an effort, seeing as you were proclaiming your many requirements for a wife, loud enough for the entire party to hear. You
7: take issue with my requirements?
3: I take issue with any man who views women merely as chattels and breeding stock. None of that was meant for you. Viscount Bridgerton, yes. When you manage to find this paragon of virtue, whatever makes you think she will accept your suit? Are the young ladies of London truly so easily won by a pleasing smile and absolutely
7: nothing more? So you find my smile pleasing.
3: I find your opinion of yourself entirely too high. Your character is as deficient as your horsemanship. I shall bid you goodnight.
2: Bridgerton fans were whipped into a frenzy at the news that the hit Netflix series would skip ahead of the book's timeline to feature the love story between Penelope Featherington, played by Nicola Coughlin, and Colin Bridgerton, played by Luke Newton, in season three. Variety's Angelique Jackson recently sat down with the three leading women of Bridgerton, Nicola Coughlin, Simone Ashley, and Sharitha Chandran, to recap season two, preview season three, and also discuss the impact that Bridgerton has had on fans, particularly young women and people of color, many of whom are seeing themselves portrayed in the genre for the first time. As they began chatting, Angelique started by asking about the news that Nicola, a.k.a. Penelope, would take the lead romantic storyline in season three.
0: Season three
1: is going to be about uh, pollen... Is it? Is, is is that? Is that? It's the name? been officially Pollen because the thing is, Pollen had been around long before we were any of us were involved in Bridgerton. It's the you know the books are twenty years old, so Pollen had been has been well established in the fandom. So I'm really following their lead.
0: What has it been like? You know the response to that. I loved
1: your post with you know Vitamin String Orchestra's Yellow. Is that is that a tease? Will that be that, part well, of that? Well, that their- that was, <laughs> that, was um, that was Luke Newton's shout for the season. So I've just I've just followed his lead on that. But it's funny because we have a little playlist of. I think you and Johnny did it as well. Mm-hmm. I had one that was just my own, and then I was like, maybe I'll share it with you. <laughs> I've had one for for a while, um, but yeah, I have a bunch of bunch of songs on there, and it really does get you excited, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like thinking about you know what you could dance to. And the thing is, I don't. I haven't read the scripts yet. I have an overview of the season, so I know broadly what's happening. But um, I think because Luke Newton is an incredible dancer. And Jack he Murphy, is. yeah. Oh my God, Jack. Jack Just Murphy, the loves choreographer, Luke. loves Luke. I think he's a lot of favorite boys, but I feel like Luke is well there with Jack. Yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. He's
8: pretty open about it, to be honest. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he is. Okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> not the girls out of school. So yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot of dancing, but I haven't read it, so I'm not. I'm not spoiling anything. It's merely a guess.
8: I kind of think you two deserve it though. You guys didn't get to dance that much in
1: season We've one. We've had two dances two. total. Yeah, two, yeah, one in season one, another in season two. So yeah. I'm excited. Mm, wow.
0: Are you prepared for all the dancing?
1: Is it- it's, You know, Jack is so amazing, isn't he, to work with yes. We've all had the pleasure of working with him and he makes it so unintimidating because mm-hmm. I remember going in, I didn't know I was going to dance in season two. And when I found out, and you, you dance in a formation of professional dancers, which is an intimidating thing because they're all obviously phenomenal. And you have to kind of look like you're all members of the ton, you are all equally good at this thing. So I remember walking into a dance wrestle being like, how am I going to say to him, like, I can't do this? I'm just going to say, I can't do it. I'm so sorry. And then he goes, We're not doing it now. We're just walking it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He'll he'll like start from the down up and like strip you down, not, you know. Not here's the not moves and what's, what's it called. It's not yeah. physically, verbally. <laughs> 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 and, um, and then we'll like walk through it. Yeah. And then uh, for me anyway, it started off just on my own, um, working with Jack and then one of his lovely um, dancers. And then. Mm-hmm. Introduced to the rest of the dancers, then Johnny and I would start dancing together. Um, and then I remember actually, I think we were filming the Pall Mall scenes, I think. Mm. Um, and then we, we all came together at the studios, we rapped, and then we came and we did the end of episode seven, that dance. Oh yeah. Um, so sometimes he'll then bring us all together. Yeah. Or we'll watch each other. I was um, meant to be
1: in that dance originally, in the script and then yeah. like, I've written out and I've got it. I think it's so gorgeous,
3: Aww. that whole sequence. But I remember so, the Hearts so and Flowers good. Balls. We, when we were rehearsing it with all the cameras, we would watch everyone do their dances. Yeah. very
1: emotional, isn't it? It's fun, yeah. When you watch people
8: dance. Yeah, it is. It really yeah. is. And, mm-hmm. like, often when you're filming, it's so technical and the final experience that viewers have is not what we may necessarily have. Mm. But with the dances, actually, we dance often is, do. Yeah, yeah, the, it's very they, true. Like, play, they'll often play the music out loud um, if there's no dialogue. And, like, they do want people to watch the dance. So yeah. it's, it's one of the few times that we get the viewers' experience in, like,
1: live. Yeah. And everyone always wants to see it as well. I know when you and Johnny had your final dance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, like, I yeah. had wrapped, I think I'd film my dance with Luke just just before it. And then they were like, Johnny, Simone, next. I was like, well, can we stay and see? Because you just, you want to see it happen because it really feels like the magic yeah. of watching mm-hmm. the show. It feels like it in, yeah. in real life. It's very cool.
3: You can't ever, like, when you're doing a scene that's just acting, no dancing or anything, you can kind of walk through it and yeah. kind of half-heartedly do it in, like, a rehearsal. But mm-hmm. when you're doing a dance even in the rehearsals you can't help but watch because the yeah, music's Yeah, it's just on a bit
1: ma- it's just a bit of Bridgerton magic it's really special mm-hmm. Well tell me a little bit
0: about that Bridgerton magic I mean I, I joke that you broke the internet but you guys have absolutely <laughs> you know taken over uh, fans' imaginations with another you know season 2 overtaking season 1 as being yeah. the new biggest hit on Netflix to date um, and in addition with there's there's things like you know the Bridgerton experience that people want to go and be part of the show. You know, Nicholas, since you've been here the longest, sure. what do you make of the magic of this? What what, what do you think is behind uh, the love for this series?
1: It's so hard to know. I think with anything like being a success, it's just, um, it's an alchemy. It's a mixture of just different ingredients that for some reason work together and you can never particularly put your finger on why. But I think if it boils down to anything, I think this show is about love primarily and it's about joy and celebration. There's very little cynicism in Bridgerton. And I really love a dark, moody drama. I love, you know, I have I love all different types of TV and movies, whatever. But I think there was an actual real gaping hole for something to come in that just went, you know, this is the world as we painted it. It's not, you know, it's totally anachronistic. It's its own thing. It's wild. It's going to be colourful. You're going to hear Ariana Grande. And I think the world, you know, is such a tough and challenging place at times. So I think Bridgerton came at such a right moment. And then it's so amazing that, you know these girls come in in season two and like smash it out of the park because you know there is that trepidation when it's a show that the leads are different every year that's a big creative risk and the fact that it's worked and worked so well is, is gorgeous but we got to Theresa and I went to the British Inn Experience the other night and surprised some fans everyone has Aww. to go it's, it's <laughs> amazing, amazing. I don't know what I expected, but, like, the, the joy coming from people and That's the effort it. they put yeah. into the, the outfits and how much they committed to it. Yeah. And you're like, wow, it's amazing that our show, like, you think of us back in, like, our warehouse in, yeah. in West London when we film, and then it's become that, like...
8: It's like you you never imagine, or the, the greatest aspiration a performer or artist can have is to affect people in a positive way, mm-hmm. to make them feel loved and to have them experience joy and have a community. And like when we went to Bridgeton experience and because of COVID, we haven't had like many interactions with fans and that's yep. kind of the major one. And it was like right in front of us. We saw the impact our show made because yeah. you have figures. Yes. Like we've broken records, but that feels so distant from us. 100%. What matters is the people. And we got mm. to
3: yeah, it's a show, it really sparks your imagination. Yeah. And as you were saying, it came at a time where I think everyone maybe was feeling a bit flat and the world in itself was feeling flat. Um, and I think it is a show that's all about family, all mm-hmm. about community, as mm-hmm. Teretha was saying. And you walk away from it feeling uplifted yeah. or just really inspired, I think. It it really makes people feel like there's, oh, I, it's possible having love amongst like all these different restrictions and obstacles especially for these characters in that society and yeah the fans of the show it's just such a warm reception and warm response and people do really love it and enjoy it and want to dress like um, the people in Bridgerton and listen to the music and Feel like that Regency trends, that gilded glamour,
0: yeah. <laughs> coming coming back. Ladies, yeah. I'll admit, I have been. I've been to the experience. I had, <gasps> it, did not bring my tiara today. Oh, but, uh, come it, on! So okay. you got a
3: tiara from the Modis? Oh yeah. You guys got tiara. Yeah, I tiara took yeah. back the the corgi puppy. The little <gasps> oh, stuff. There was stuffed yeah. um, stuff <laughs> And they were like, "You can take anything you want. Take a glove. Take some makeup." I was like, "I just want the corgi
1: puppy." <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I was like I, I so yeah you you see it you get a chance to really yeah. experience how this, this show has affected people um, before we dissect season two a little bit more Nicola I will ask you one more question about season three sure.
1: how excited nervous prepared are you to kind of take on that lead role It's it's really scary it's funny when you know I signed up to this show back in 2019 you know they said it's about all these different couples so you know you know, that's, you know, there's a Colin and Penelope book. And I was like, sure. But then you don't know whether it will go beyond season one. You don't know, you know, and I was very lucky to be cast alongside Luke Newton, who's so sweet. And we have always been really invested in their relationship and we like really root for them. But it's funny, I had a moment last night, because I've been keeping the secret for so long, that right before I was, I because I was given the job of announcing it, which was so lovely, but that right before it, I went too scared <laughs> i don't want like because it becomes real I, I i mean it's funny because i have you know always wanted to be an actor i started doing it when i was super young but i never saw myself as like the lead of a romantic drama that's not like it was just not on my list of things that i thought i would ever be doing so it's quite mad now to just be in that position and on one of the the biggest shows ever you know it's amazing and Like someone you've been so sweet, like, like so supportive because it is, it is feel like,
3: you know, passing the baton and then I'm going to you know pass it on in turn. Um, And you learn from each um, different leads for different seasons. Like I, Phoebe, honestly, has been such a rock for me and such a good friend, such a good mentor, an example of just a strong woman in this industry. And she, she really created like a safe dynamic between us where I could be vulnerable and Uh, Express my doubts or my insecurities or my highs and lows, and I having that, you know, whenever I would have a break in filming, we would hang out and I would just, you know, talk to her about it and she would give me advice or vice versa, and it really helps having that because, you know, for when when we're working, we're all so dedicated to our work and the show that you have, you know, game face on, you roll up your sleeves and you go and smash it, but you know, we're all human at the end of the day, and I think that's what helps us deliver such authentic performances as well um and taking that i just remember i I, i'd love to and johnny also was a great example of that for everyone yeah
1: he was yeah because it's like do you feel like captains of the ship you know it's like different captains Mm -hmm. every time so and i think it really sets a tone
3: yeah absolutely yeah yeah
1: yeah. it really really does the energy
3: for everyone sure and um i think both johnny and i just wanted to make sure we could, you know, as as much as they're going to do like such an amazing job on their own and they don't, you know, need, need. No, but, it's sense, so but nice. Just having a cheerleader it's so on nice. the side. so nice. And also I think
1: having the continuation of the story because, you know, Bridgerton's bigger than all of us and it will pass through all of our hands and, you know, mm. but you want to feel like you take care of it while it's mm-hmm. your baby, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I want to ask you about what Phoebe told you, but I want to pull on that string just a little bit that you just mentioned. Sure. Of, of not you know you never thought that you would be the lead of a romantic No, no. um I, I think that's something that maybe <laughs> oh totally i think yeah no yeah, yeah, i yeah. you yeah, know about, same this thing. is a series that allows people to be in positions and in places people of especially people of color yep. um yep. that we're not usually seen in so kind of break down for me you know what it means to be a part of a show that has a lot has really broadened the range of what you know a romantic lead looks like
8: well I think what's what's wonderful is that there is so many like benefits to it. I think truthfully the show is just better because it's better to watch. It's more fun, it's more colourful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives actors of colour opportunities that were previously inaccessible to them. And I hope that, you know, we're seeing with the Mr. Malcolm's List, forgive me, like, you know, yeah, which yeah. also yeah. feels very Bridgerton-esque in that it's sort of multiracial. And um, and that's exactly what we would want it from this show, yeah. to kind of set a standard for the industry. So I think creatively it's, and maybe this is very generous, and I hope Lynn manuel Miranda forgives me, but I feel like <laughs> what Bridgeton's done for TV, what Hamilton did for theatre is... Very much like what Bridgeton sort of done for TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, it diversifies audiences. Mm -hmm. Like, my mum and I, when growing up, we would always watch, you know, Austin adaptations. But within our family friend community, who were all Indian, we were kind of the only ones. Yeah. So it, it was very much like a white genre, both on screen and off. And we see like a Bridgeton experience. We all went. Like we see so many yeah. people of color there. We know so many fans. Like it's a diverse audience as well. And the messages of a show like Bridgerton, which is everyone's deserving of love, everyone's deserving of romance, and the familial ties. The fact that such a diverse audience can see that and take on that message. Yeah, that's like it, it's it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Simone, what has it what has it been like for you?
3: Yeah, I think um. Yesterday um we were doing an interview together and Taritha said something along these lines and it it really articulated a feeling that I've had for so long and I couldn't put it into words and it it is a, a journey and I um when we were filming last year for like 10 months i i was it was just like blinkers on yeah 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 working with johnny and trethower and nicola the whole cast we it was non stop yeah. um so i was really engrossed in that side of it um and obviously i would look at the monitors and see myself in trethower and it was really like powerful to see and then it was only When the show came out and we started doing press and then started receiving messages from fans or um, Indian girls stopping me just expressing themselves, I kind of started realizing how groundbreaking this really is because i i just i i I didn't really i was just so happy to have a job as an actress and yes of course like i acknowledged like this is something that's such a shift and it's so important that both of us as dark-skinned women we're um the leads of this romantic drama but for me it was a journey to to own that and to really understand that and to be to of course i've always been proud of that but to um to know that we've all got a microphone and a platform now Mm -hmm. where we can speak for the people and the people do want to see this as much as, you know, Netflix have all the subscribers and um, we're the top 10 um, most watched shows. It is the people of the world that are creating that moment for us because they're the ones tuning in. They're the ones. um, Totally.
1: Yeah, they're the ones driving it. You know, there's a demand there for it. There was clearly a gap where people like really wanted to see themselves. Like you said, like Hamilton did. Yeah. Like, it's no surprise that these things have become phenomena because representation is so important.
3: And I, I hope this continues and yeah. it's not just a one off with Hamilton or Bridgerton. Yeah. I hope that producers, showrunners, writers, the powerful people within this industry that can create these shows and movies, listen to that and listen to the fans and see the response that and just see what we've done and realize, yeah, this I think this needs to be normalized and continued within our industry. Mm-hmm. Um because I think I quite naively stepped into it, like, oh, like w- women are like so empowered in this industry and like women of color as well. And to be honest, like we, I think we're just getting started and we're a part of that movement. 100%. Yeah,
0: absolutely. This is it's basically I won't say we're at step one, but uh, we're, we're we're oftentimes you do recognize that we're not quite as far. Exactly. As we think, yeah. we oh, yeah, are. And, totally. And like you said, this is this is a huge step forward. Kind of speaking to some of those messages from fans for each of you, you know, what is something someone has said to you, you know, whether it be in this last twenty four hours, as as people are talking about Bridgerton Moore or throughout your filming experience, that has really stuck with you, that has really meant a lot.
8: I mean, for me, I've seen a lot of videos and a lot yeah. of messages mm-hmm. that are like this show is making me proud to own my culture yeah. and like Indian girls in the diaspora wearing like Jumkas or also pronounced Jimikis, which are like the specific kind of style of Indian earrings and um, incorporating Indian clothing into like their daily wear. Because when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was fit in when I yeah. saw, so, like, and I grew up in a majority like white area when I so clearly couldn't. And, and I <laughs> and I rejected everything that made me special. I rejected a lot of my culture. Um, and it was only when I was about 15, 16 that I owned it again. And I realized that it's something I'm flipping proud of. It is a core part of mm-hmm. who I am. And to see young girls who, I don't want to say inspired, but maybe encouraged to do that earlier on is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So to, proud to be Indian, proud to be brown, proud to be different. Yeah. Those are the kind of messages and like videos that. I, I, I've appreciated receiving. And
0: especially, yeah. Simone, what you said about being dark-skinned as yeah. well. You know, we, we have, a, as much as we have like a racism and g- gender inequality issue, there is also a, a, a colorism uh, con- question that we have here in this industry as well, that we don't often get people who are, have darker complexions mm-hmm. on screen mm-hmm. too and looking as regal and beautiful <laughs> as you
3: yeah. And we had uh, such an amazing hair and makeup team and lighting Jeff on, on set that we didn't have to speak twice about you know the the color of our skin or being darker shades on screen mm-hmm. we were re- they really brought the best out in both of us to put it in a better way yeah. but I think it's what it's done it's created a safe space for these fans like I'm exactly the same as Theresa I grew up um, predominantly in a, um, a school of um, wh- white students and I was a minority and i didn't fit in and i I, i'm sure many other um brown girls went through this just being made fun of or just not feeling safe in owning yourself and i have noticed that you see that within the fans now like being stopped by indian girls and they're just really giggly and smiley and just you know saying oh my gosh you're representing and it's amazing it's really powerful and um yeah just really proud to be a part of that but um, even
8: little things, right? It's like I remember going to like dress-up parties, mm-hmm. like birthday parties, and not knowing yeah. who to dress up as. Yeah. For like, Halloween and being like, God, everyone's going to laugh at me if I go as Cinderella because I clearly don't look like. Yeah. Her. And I know it sounds so superficial. No, it but, but to at provide, all. like, someone can dress up as Kate or Edwina, yeah. right? Like, that's amazing. And those oh. little things, those little experiences, really like. They define young people growing up. And I always say that, like, we are all on a journey ourselves. Yeah, totally. It's easy to stand, like, on a pe- to be put on a pedestal and be like, you know, Indian girls to look at us and go, oh, like, look at them loving themselves, owning themselves. But I had a breakthrough moment when I came to L.A. because it was, like, the first time in my life that I've been out in this hot of a climate mm. without a hat on. Without stressing about walking in the shade, and it's like the show has helped me as much as I hope it's helped other people. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I know that
0: feeling of not worrying about you know right. getting too and dark. like running because you're like of the road. well you know because that you know as we're young people that's something that people tell you and you know especially in the industry that you're in it's like okay we're we're there's things yeah there's We could dive deep into things like like the paperback. There's all kinds of things. But anyway, um, Nicola, for you, what has been the message that um, has really meant a lot from a fan that you've heard?
1: I think it's sort of an overarching thing of of, um, like the amount of women that see themselves represented, the types of women, the ages of women. It's not just, that's what I think is really special about the show. I say this phrase about it all the time, but it's quietly revolutionary because it can seem, you know, very sweet and romantic and soft on the surface. But I'm like, look at all the things we're actually doing and look at all of the women we're allowing to, to show on television, you know, in all different forms and being complicated and messy and unlikable at moments and I think Shandeland have always been unafraid to do that and Bridgerton has you know continued on that tradition and taken it in a whole other way and it is and it is holding up a benchmark to the to the genre and going you know why are we making these all-white shows why are we doing this it's not representative. And the thing is, you look at Bridgerton and I, you know, made like a really facetious comment once saying like, you know, we can accept like a dragon in Game of Thrones but people go, oh, a black duke, that's too much for me <laughs> to like, and you go, how stupid is that? Yeah. Why is it, It's not too much it's really not too much and they, yeah they, they, I think that's been the thing the amount the amount of different women that have seen themselves not like and I do get people come up and going I'm, you know I'm so Penelope and I, I feel invisible and I feel this but it's been I feel like there's some a character in there for every woman yeah. and I hope every man too because it you know it also examines like how damaging the patriarchy can be yeah. and the expectations put upon men and you know it's something I think Johnny Bailey did so brilliantly in this series of like you know trying to be that strong man and don't show emotion and don't all that stuff I feel like yeah. You know, yeah. And it looks pretty well doing it. Yeah, you
0: know? I mean, sometimes you need just pretty wrapping to, to, to make <laughs> you go to these kind of darker, yeah. you know, deeper places mm-hmm. inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about some of season two, because mm-hmm. you guys took us on a serious roller coaster. <laughs> um, you know, what were some of the most magic moments for each of you? Um Simone, I'll start with you. What what would you say was your if you had to pick a scene from season two, whether it be your favorite to have portrayed or the reaction was your favorite.
3: Can I say two? Yes. I can't say one. <laughs> and and two is like really trying it. Um, <laughs> one, um, I'll never forget riding horses with Johnny in Windsor park. Um, when we filmed the scene where Kate and Anthony first meets um, in episode one. And I think we were out there for a week and, um, riding at dawn um and it was like springtime the sun was out it was beautiful and um Johnny was on his horse Jack and I was on Mufasa and we just got this rhythm going and once we really warmed up into it we were just on these horses riding around playing out a scene and I just I yeah never ever imagined I would be doing a scene like that as um as an actress. Um so and I love that scene as well. Um I think um it's such a stars aligned moment for these two characters. Um right place right time and I love that we've brought that to screen because um I it is possible and it yeah it sparks the imagination of um just two people on these parallel journeys. And then the second one I think is the coconut oil scene with um Edwina and Yes, it's obviously it's a such a powerful scene because many women from different heritages can relate to that scene, that intimate um, moment between two sisters, um, two women applying coconut oil to to their hair. But for me, um, it it was the shift in the story and Taritha's performance. I mean, every time I watch it, I'm like, damn, oh, my so gosh, silly. like she. <laughs> She Edwina really like comes to her own um not she she already was her own, but she these um these barriers start to break down within her and then you see a shift in Kate. And I, I just loved that scene. Um it's one of my favourites. Um yeah.
0: Well, because that is one of the major differences between the books and the series is is the way that the the relationship between Kate and Edwina plays out, and the way that there actually is much more of a love triangle in this situation, and that you know there is so much of Edwina coming into her own. I don't know if that is among your favorite scenes, but what 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 are the stand magic moments for you from this season? I've got,
8: got two as well. Actually, I'm gonna give, give me two. Um, so. One of them is the haldi scene because when we were filming it, I think every one of us knew that like we were sort of not to be dramatic, but we were sort of making history. Yeah, yeah. We were like, firstly, there's never been a scene of this color hue, like compositionally, there's never been a scene like this on Bridgeton before. But actually, I don't think we've seen a scene representing this ritual mm-hmm. on TV before. Um, so that was a super proud moment, and then the second one is, I think it has to be the races, just because that was Simone and I's first day on set. That was really fun. Yeah. It was
3: yeah, very
1: much
8: like was a. I'm so
3: excited. It, so, it was
8: sunny, and um, we met all of the cast. Yeah. Um, for the first time that yeah, it day. it was mad.
3: Like it was a real baptism of fire. We were Louis, and, fan, um, Sam, Louis yeah. and Sam. Louis and Sam. Yeah. yeah. Sweet
8: boys. So, so funny. Sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was so much fun and. Yeah, that was day. really exciting. Oh, wow, what a first day. I mean It, it was yeah. a
0: great first
3: day. <laughs> first know. week. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's really good. We talked earlier a little bit about the 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 expectation of taking over as the lead. That's that's pretty intimidating that everybody is there. This is a scene where it's just like you're meeting everyone all at once. A true
1: baptism of fire. But I kind of think it worked better. Yeah. Because it felt like a bit of a party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also for the Sharmas, because it's, you know, it's life-imitating art and that, they, you know, they're thrown into London society and you're you're thrown into the exactly. Bridgerton world. So, yeah, but yeah, it was so exciting that day because the thing is, like, I knew people had been waiting for these characters, you know, from the very beginning. So, like, that day, like, seeing you both on set and, like, mm. it was just so fun to, like, finally see it, you know, come to life.
3: You have a great scene in that scene with um with Luke, when um Penelope's like walking around, she pretends not to see. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I know. It's, I love those like <laughs> little silly moments. I know but she's, she's so silly. She thinks she's so that. slick. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but she is so slick she, in,
8: she is
0: in other ways. Other ways. Yeah, she, she is. Ways. Yeah. I mean, it was a complete surprise. I know it was a bit of a surprise to you at first uh, that Penelope ends well. That Penelope is Lady Whistledown. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It yeah. was. It was you do a good job of, of throwing folks off the scent
1: well it's funny because in season one I kind of because I, I knew from, from the beginning of filming but I kind of thought I really I have to be so careful with how I play this in that and there needs to be enough there for fans to look back and go ah I see it in that moment but you couldn't you know have me there with you know some binoculars in a notebook being <laughs> like, like okay okay will. cool right I've writing about yeah so it, that's what was the fun of going into season two, having revealed it. And like, you know, I think it was like a controversial decision in some ways because the book fans were like, it's not revealed until book four and it's not. But the thing is, certain things that work really well in the books on TV, it won't translate in the same way, you know? And also like hidden identities on television, the longer you draw them out, there was it, very rarely you get a satisfying reveal. Yeah. Very rarely. The more you
8: loopholes know. there are. Yeah,
1: that's it. And trying to work around it. And also it's like distracting from the main narrative. Once you know, you know, and you can focus on what the main story is. But like, it was very fun getting to play all those different sides to her because she's such a ball of contradictions, you know? Well,
0: I, w- I want to, of course, ask about Penelope and Eloise's storyline yes, this season. Yes. I mean, it is not just all about, you know, writing scandal sheets. Yeah. Uh, it, there's a real breakdown of this friendship. Yeah. Um, you know, what was that experience like uh, bringing that part to screen? Because it's not something the book fans are, at least at this point, yeah. familiar with. Yeah.
1: You know what? It was, it was a difficult thing because... I love their relationship, and I love working with Claudia. She's such a generous, wonderful actor. So we're like, they should never fall out, and everything should just be fine. But then you have to think about what in real life, if your best friend had been writing stories about you and your family, it's such an insane level of betrayal. So we didn't know, we didn't get all the scripts at once. So I didn't know that was happening at the end. But there were certain little things that I kind of thought there was one that actually got cut from the final, the final episode. But. The final cut, I should say. It was in one of the first episodes where, you know, Penelope's really hammering home to Eloise. Like, did you go to the printers? Like, you can't lie to me. And I remember on the day I said, and I would rarely question lines because the writing is so tight. But I said, you know, why did she say that? Like, I just don't really get. And they said, look, we want that in because of something that happens later. And Claudia and I looked at one another and went, oh, no. Oh, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And that scene of the fallout was just like heartbreaking to film because they're so... Ugly to one another in that moment. You know, they're so Yeah, because you know, Penelope, she gives up whistledown for Eloise. But I think she's like, because she's someone who's hurt, who's so hurt that she I think she allows herself a little a little grace in times when she shouldn't, you know what I mean? She's like, well, it's fine that I'm doing all this lying because I'm just doing da 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 It's all fine. You know, putting in a box somewhere else. I don't have to think about it right now. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, it comes out of that moment. And Yeah, it was heartbreaking to film that. Heartbreaking, and of course, now that then has implications on pollen. Yeah, I know, right? Because <laughs> I was like, okay, that's the first lie, so that's out of the way. And then, oh, by the way, I'm secretly in love with your brother. Have been forever, and totally want to marry the guy. Yeah, and
0: will I mean, maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, <laughs> I mean. There's definitely yeah the relationship's going to develop. <laughs> I can't imagine that's that, that over
3: so March for two seasons. Can't wait to know, see where where else it goes. Yeah. I think it's 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 time it happens. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the thing. I like, you know we're we're changing the the book order and when when I found out that was the case, you know, I wasn't not expecting it. I thought it was a general call from Jess just to say, "Hey, I'm going to be the new showrunner." And but she said, "Look, we've we've seen them for for two yeah. seasons." You know we've we've progressed them and you know, they want I think more time as well with Benedict to kind of develop because he's such an amazing character and I think another year of single Benedict is going to be. A delight. He brings the fun. Yeah. He brings the, the fun. The pay for us, everything. He can. He kind of like can explore the underworld of London. So but yeah, I think if you had one more season of Penelope fawning over this dude, you'd be like, get over it, girl. Like, yeah. I feel <laughs> like, what is this dude doing? How am yeah, I like, still not notice Yeah. How does he still not notice? We're like, yeah. So I think it's the right time. <laughs> also, one of
8: the beauties of Bridgerton is there is, of course, this main love story, but there are so many wonderful oh. side stories oh, yeah. as well that yeah. like other characters can be explored. So you know. Really?
0: Well, speaking of other characters being explored, I mean we the Queen mentions that she has a, a single prince nephew. Um that's not who Edwina ends up with in the books, but do could we maybe see a, a date with the prince?
8: A promenade? I don't know. So we you know, it's a large production and it's a large world. It's London. It's a lot of people. <laughs> and so I think that, you know. I hope the show continues for eight plus seasons. You know, maybe we'll see Anthony's children going through the yeah. season. You know, like who knows? And the thing is, um, it's it's a wonderful environment to pop in and out whenever. So even if not this season, it could be another year down the line, or like whatever. But we all exist in this in the world, world, yeah. And that's what we say. Yeah. All right. With with we will be seeing more Anthony. You guys. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it
0: was a very, it was a very slow burn season, but in, in a way of, you know, kind of reminiscent of like a Pride and Prejudice with, with, with Darcy and, and um, with Elizabeth, um, you know, what, what did you make of kind of like the audience response? What did they hit on that you guys were hoping to put onto the screen? I guess I should say. Um,
3: I think... Well, I, I, I don't think that either of us, Johnny or I, um, ever like expected, oh, this scene's gonna like hit and, you know, this is gonna be the most response to this. We we never mm-hmm. worked like that. But um, I think um we just always rooted for Kate and Anthony and um we believed in them so much and understood um that all their idiosyncrasies and the obstacles that they're entrapped in within the society and um you know, the complications in the story, this love triangle um, and this battle between duty and heart. And I think um, it's a slow burn um, because of all those factors. And then when they they do um, go on this journey of self-realization and change and growth and surrender to love with one another, then it's it's really earned when they do have their, their moments of intimacy together or romance together and mm-hmm. happiness together. Um, and I think... Um, Yeah, I'd like to think that that's what's resonated with the audience and kept them on the edge of their seats um, and rooting for them and wondering when it's actually going to happen. And I I think it was just so important for both of us that um, they were above all else putting their family first that they had such strong priorities and they they're two incredibly complicated characters that um aren't used to putting their own heart first or listening to their own heart or understanding it i mean even daphne has to spoon feed anthony like he says what what feeling is that and she's like duh it's love and he's like (laughs) oh really um so yeah um yeah, I don't I don't know if I've answered the question. No, you
0: have. You have. But I will ask a follow-up question. Was there anything that happened in the books that didn't happen on screen yeah. that you wish would have happened yes. or vice versa?
3: Okay, so there's one of my favorite scenes. And actually, so when I was reading this, I was on my own in my apartment and I actually, well, okay, I'll start here. So it's the scene where um, Anthony's um, in his office and he's with... Um, not with Sienna, but in the books, I can't remember. With her the name. opera singer, oh, with the opera she's, yeah, yeah, the and opera she's singer. hiding yeah, yeah. under the desk. Yeah, And yeah. Kate comes in and she's hiding under. Well, she comes in <laughs> first. She's hiding under the desk, and then it gets a little bit brutal. Like Anthony steps on her foot, and she bites his knee, and then the opera singer leaves, and then Kate's like, "Oh God!" And then like, <laughs> and then Anthony like gets her out the desk, and he like, you know. And um, they have like an argument and Kate's like oh god like you know I'm, I'm really in trouble here and then it, it and she the whole thing with Kate is not surrendering not giving in not being like one of those girls that's just going to feed his ego like she's quite stoic in that sense and he gets her and he gets to her and I think the line in that scene and in that chapter it ends with um, something and then it says and Anthony knew Kate and Anthony knew at this moment that he had won and I remember reading it and I was like no i'm always rooting for kate in the in the series we see her shut him down and have all these amazing liners of just you know telling him what's up Uh and then in that in that chapter i wish that that came to the series um and i remember talking to chris about it but the books are just a phenomenal source of inspiration for chris's amazing writing but that was one of my favorite scenes um I don't know, maybe we can replicate it in season three in a different way, who knows. I, they're always yeah, competitive, so there'll be something exactly. for them. <laughs> you know, it's, yes, yeah, it's the Ellen. competition between them is so primal. They're both incredibly primal characters, and I think that's what makes them so fun oh, yeah, in yeah. moments like that. Um, yeah.
0: All right, Nicola, I know you can't say too much about yes. the Journey, um, but so we had Steamy Steamy, we had Slow Burn. How would you characterize the relationship between... Um,
1: Colin, <laughs> Penelope, and Colin. Do you know what I'm? I'm really excited for it. I think because we've had two seasons of build up, it's probably going to be the former. I would imagine.
0: Oh.
1: Um, but as I said, I haven't read the scripts. So I've just been given an overview. Overview. Um, but I think I'm really excited. I'm excited to see Penelope at the beginning because I'm really glad. That, funny, you talking about scenes from the book that you wanted to include. I really wanted the scene in which he said he he didn't like her in there. I really wanted that, and I talked Luke and I talked to Chris, and I was like, "Is that is that going in?" And he said, "Look, we we put it in and we took it out like more times than I can count." But I felt like that's so pivotal because up until that point, she has him on this. Pedestal. She thinks he's infallible. He's perfect. He can't do anything wrong. And you're never going to have a relationship with someone if you view them in that way. So he has to, you know, and I don't think he's as savage in that moment as people perceive him to be. I think he's more like he's someone who, like, very openly doesn't have a purpose. And he's been kind of this hero in that moment. And he's like really feeling himself and he's drinking. He's around these dudes. And I think, you know, he's seen Penelope as his. Little sister's best friend, and like his pen pal, and like he's like, I'm with you, like that. I would never, whatever. And I think, but like, Penelope has been, I think, in season two, telling herself, like, we're falling in love. Yeah. This is what's happening. You're like, like been pen pal, like, he's gonna read my yeah, beautiful you're, like, prose. You're like, and- no, no, you're, you're <laughs> it's in your head, <laughs> like a little bit. So, Aww. you know, it's a little bit, yeah, because at the yeah, end, she's like, we're gonna, like, when he takes her away, he's like, oh, we're gonna kiss, this is gonna happen. It's so not that for him, but I'm excited to, you know, her to like, have a bit more, like, just self-respect and belief to go like you know I deserve something and I deserve someone better like you know as I said I haven't read it so this is just what I would like but yeah I would like to see them on more of an even level where she doesn't see him as this perfect guy and she sees herself as worthy and
3: yeah you know we need a monologue for you like i for three seasons, I've yeah, been I've your been friend. friend. Yeah, I've been, like, yeah, how dare you say that about me? Yeah. In
1: front of Fife, that guy? Yeah. Literally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you
0: know, one of the kind of more controversial elements of their relationship has been that, you know, Colin starts to fall for Penelope because she has somewhat of a glow up. Yeah. You know, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what do you know about how you guys will be touching on that storyline or if you will be touching on that storyline.
1: I think The Globe is more going to be to do with The costumes and stuff, to be honest. And like, because I think it's been such a big part of Penelope's character that she's so overdone. Like, it's like the crazy hair and the yellow and, uh, you know, like 20 bows in the front of her head, like all that kind of stuff. So I think it's not going to be like this insane physical transformation. It's like, and it's always been like, I've, Teresa and I had a big discussion about this earlier, but it's always really difficult as an actor to separate yourself and your looks And all of that, it's such, um, we were talking about how complex it is. Because, you know, I would say to people, like, if I go and say, like, I'm going to become a bodybuilder and I'm going to cover myself in tattoos, that's my prerogative. You know what I mean? So it's a difficult thing to think about, you know, that there's going to be a glow up and what does that mean? And sort of, but like I always, my hope is always that it will be more about the acting and the story. And I think we have such an amazing amazing costume designer this year, John Glazer, who worked on season one with Ella Mirajnik. And I've seen, like, there's sort of a new cut of Penelope's dresses and everything. Because, I mean, they had, I mean, they had my boobs up high for (laughs) two seasons. So they were like, you know, they're just going to be at a normal human level. I was like, well, that makes me really Uh happy. Yeah. So it's, and I think, yeah, you know, and the books were written 20 years ago. So, you know, there's probably certain things in there that, you know, times have changed and attitudes towards women of change so you know it's like about, and I think Julia Quinn is amazing about you know how her source material is adapted Absolutely. and it's adapted you know for now for 2022 so We'll see. But as I said, I haven't read scripts. So a lot of it is me <laughs> speculating. And I think a lot of that, too,
0: is like the fan reaction is, well, also, why why is that necessary? It wouldn't be necessary. Absolutely. Selby is incredible. He's just lucky to be yeah, in the same room with her. Yeah, and to, like,
1: open it. And the thing is, they get on so well. Like, I love the scenes of the two of them where they are standing on the edge of the ballroom, like having like a little bitch and like judging other people you know i'm like they're like the same person in that respect they totally you know yeah they're gonna be like i see them like really old just sitting around like having a little laugh about whatever (laughs) but yeah but she she wasn't ever in season one or two she was not in the position to be with him at all nor was he in the position to be with her like you know as someone said it's right place right time and i think she's got to get to a certain place where that can be a reality yeah
0: well, I can't wait to see how this continues to develop um, because this show is entirely addictive because you all make it so rich. Thank so you. Thank really you. just imbue it with just such, such love and such depth. And thank you all so much for well, chatting with so us. Thank you for so having, so nice to having meet you you. All.
2: That's Bridgerton stars Nicola Coughlin, Simone Ashley and Sharitha Chandran. Catch up on season two right now on Netflix. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis. I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.